Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long the Tooth Podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, we believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life. Welcome back to the Long in the Tooth podcast. Uh, this is Randon Jensen. This week I'm visited by uh, a former client and a, a very good friend, uh, Dr. William Vargo, Dr. Bill Vargo, um, who had a practice in Salt Lake City. Dr. Vargo, how long? Uh, welcome, first of all, to the Thank podcast. You. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how long you practice, and so forth. I practiced for about 35 years in Salt Lake City, Cottonwood Heights, exactly. Um, most of my staff was with me for 30 plus years, which was really a bonus. Uh, we were came, became primarily referral practice only. That's how we got our new patients. Um, and I loved, uh, loved doing dentistry. I just uh, eventually reached the point where my health wouldn't tolerate it very well. So it was, it was time to make a transition. Dentistry does take a physical toll, doesn't it? It does. For sure. No, a very successful practice and an excellent uh, clinician, excellent dentist. And the fact that your staff stayed with you as long as they did, I think is a testament to the type of individual you are, not only as a boss, but also as a dentist. Well, that's Thank you. excellent. Yes, fantastic. So obviously the health was part of the part of what in, uh, went into the decision making for a transition. Were there other things that you that factored into that decision when you finally made it? Uh, my wife's health had started to go downhill also. And so I think primarily it was uh, it was health issues. Uh, I was only 65. Um, I envisioned myself, I think, practicing until 68 or possibly 70. Um, but it just, it was, I, I knew it was time. Uh, Randon uh, could tell you that I called him three years earlier and uh, because I had gone to one of his seminars and decided that he was who I wanted to use. So I called him and as I was talking with him, uh, I surprised myself and became very emotional about, about retiring and told him that I would think about it and uh, get back to him. And uh, three years later is when I got back to him. So yeah, no, I, I've I been remember, thinking about it. I, I remember that call. Well, I think um, what you touched on there is common for a lot of dentists and it's not unique to dentists, but when you, when you're, um, and I'm not sure how this relates to your experience, Dr. Vargo, but I find a lot of times clients that their their sense of purpose, their sense of identity is being a dentist and that thought of making that transition and no longer being an active practicing dentist, it can be emotional. What, how has that transition been for you? Uh, the, the transition initially was, was difficult. Um, you know, you sign the paper and all of a sudden you don't own anything and Everything belongs to someone else, and it's their 
they're their patients and their treatment plan and everything you've uh, worked for is now turned over to someone else. And that's a, a sobering moment. Um, we transitioned ours during COVID, uh, which made it, I think, a little different because we'd always planned on selling the practice, <coughs> excuse me, and <coughs> jumping in the car or on a plane and going somewhere. And instead, you know, we're at home. So there wasn't any place to escape to for a while. Uh, I continued to work two days a week uh, for the doctor I sold the practice to. And that was, I think, both hard on him and me. I remember Randon telling me that uh, you can sell the practice and walk away and it really won't make any difference. And I found that hard to believe. I thought, well, maybe for other people, but you know, I'm a referral practice. I've known these people for years and years, my staff. And what I discovered is exactly what you said is true. Uh, as close as I was to everybody, I could walk away. And, and I, I don't know how that works. I guess they either trust you enough that the new person is the right person and they just, uh, they just move forward. And I was amazed at that. And I was grateful for it. I think the majority of my patients uh, stayed with the new doctor and gave him a chance. And I was really grateful for them that they would do that. I found that a sign of, of uh, confidence and loyalty that was, that was good. So the transition was difficult at first, working two days a week, seeing how the new doctor was changing the practice uh, versus how I had ran the practice was hard. And eventually, after about four months, I was no longer working at the office. I was completely uh, disassociated from it. And that turned out to be a very good thing. Just leaving and not knowing what was going on and just being a non-dentist. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so that's interesting. You tell you, um, staying on and working back because I've, I've had similar feedback that... Um, in some ways, that's nice, but it's also challenging. So given the choice to do that again, would you have stayed and worked for a couple of days or would you feel that it would have been an easier, maybe the transition would have been a little easier had you just stepped away? That's a good question. Uh, probably easier if you just stepped away. Yeah. It, it's a little, it's, I, I've got to imagine, it's kind of like living in the house after you sold it and kind of seeing somebody else, you know, that's, changing your paint colors and, and redecorating. And, and sometimes that's a little bit hard to see. No, I think that's a good analogy and it's exactly true. Yeah, yeah. that's great. What, um, speaking of that being a little bit of a challenge, what, what would you say was the most challenging aspect of the transition? Was it just the change of being a dentist to not being a dentist or were there other things that you found more challenging? Well, I think there's two aspects of it. Um, the, the most challenging was watching the changes the new doctor made in the practice that you had bought. You'd had everything lined up, materials, uh, procedure times, uh, staff, uh, everything was in order. And then to watch them come in and change everything was, was hard. That's why maybe walking away would have been a good idea. Uh, and then as far as being at home, uh, I actually do have a hobby. It's my backyard and my front yard. 
I, I love to uh, landscape and garden. And so for me, I just tried to dive into that. There were many things that had been neglected and I spent the next year trying to uh, clean everything up and 30 loads of mulch and you know fixing things up. So that kept me well occupied. And then trying to attend to uh, my wife and I in our relationship was always been good, but trying to be more of a husband at home instead of away. Oh yeah, that would be a transition too. But I, and and I can attest, I have seen your yard and it's magnificent. So oh, you're kind. Yes, it's beautiful, beautiful. So I think that's an important thing that you touch on. That a lot of times, one of the things that can help in making that tr transition is having good avocations, right? Having worthwhile, meaningful avocations that bring you a lot, give you a sense of satisfaction, bring you a lot of joy. That that you have something to put your time and attention into. I think that's absolutely a, yeah. And a place to take your head to, yeah. you know, as, as a dentist, you're constantly thinking about production and collections and patients and problems and staff. And when that's gone, you have to have some place for your head to go. Yeah, no, that's excellent input. Excellent advice. I agree. I agree. Um, so that, that those were the challenges. What, what's been the best part of the transition of, of the transition or since? Oh, just having um, more time to relax, uh, more time to recuperate. I think time has been the best thing. Time to, in my case, I have four children that live here. So helping them with projects they might be doing, uh, interacting with them more, uh, interacting with other individuals in a service fashion. Um, those things are, uh, are the, really the good part about it. Uh, I was invited to be a um, mission dental advisor for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So uh, I solve problems for missionaries in eight different missions. And so I get phone calls, you know, randomly throughout the week that I need to deal with. So I still get to solve dental diagnostic issues and find help. Uh, so yeah, doing other things, I think. Uh, helping other people, relaxing, sleeping in. Maybe that's the best part. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. If nothing else, you've earned that. Well, and how fantastic. And I'm not surprised that you're provide that you're giving back so much, that you're doing all this service to help others. Uh, I really admire that. Kudos. Well, it's, it's actually fun. So excellent. Um so what would you share with other, with colleagues who, what thoughts or, or advice would you have for them if they're considering a transition? I think I've, I've thought about our conversation before today. And I think the, probably the biggest thing would be uh, understanding who you're selling the practice to, mm -hmm. which is difficult. Uh, you maybe meet with that person once or twice maybe a little more, but it's not like uh, you, you know them very well if it's someone from out of state or, or who you know, just got out of school. I, you know, in my particular case, uh, and I think in a lot of cases, there are many young dentists who have worked in the corporate world and they only know the corporate model. And so to bring the corporate model into a private practice, uh, in my opinion, doesn't work very well. It's difficult to turn a private practice into a corporate office. Uh, and so 
if you don't want that to happen, I think you need to be very wary of, of selling it to a dentist that only knows the corporate model. Uh, that's what they're familiar with. They saw it be successful. And so they're probably going to do it to your practice. And I don't, didn't care for that, nor do I uh, think the patients like that if they're used to being treated in a private practice setting. So I think knowing the background of the person you're selling it to uh, is very important. I think that's excellent. Yeah. What, what advice would you have for getting to know that, that doctor, like uh, really knowing who you're turning the practice over to? You know, the ideal situation, but I know it, you don't recommend it, would be to have them come into your office and work for you one day a week. Um, and you could kind of see uh, how they interact with people and, and try and discern what their, you know, what their tendencies are. But even that, I don't know that you can know truly until it's theirs. And then once it's theirs, they, they will do with it what they want. And you have to trust that, that it'll be the right thing. And that's the hard part about selling. Yeah. Yeah, that is trusting it, sending over. No, you make a good point. And there definitely are instances where having somebody come on and, and associate for a period of time is advisable. But um, there, it, it comes with its own set of challenges, no doubt. Yes, it does. And, and like you said, even they may come in and be working for you, but it may be like dating, you know, they're kind of putting their best foot forward. And, and when you turn over the practice, doesn't mean that they're going, you know, they're the same person or going to operate it the same way. Yeah. I think the other, the other thing maybe to consider or realize is uh, I was a paper dentist. You know, we had paper records and we had charts and, and we had digital x-rays. But as all the entries were, were my handwriting, which was not necessarily easy to discern. Um, but be, all the charts were on the wall and, and, and something we were proud of. Um, the new dental model is, of course, digital. And so if you're not digital, you need to realize that everything is going to go digital. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna take your, your chart and they're going to scan it. And, and then, in my opinion, if you're smart, you keep those charts on the wall for a year or two. Uh, you have everything scanned. But if you just scan the record, stick the chart in a box, and then stick it in the back room, uh, how are you going to find treatment plans? You know, who do you, how do you know that someone hasn't been in for two years and that this is what they need? Where if their chart is sitting on the wall and has a date of 2022 and it's now 2024, you can have someone go through those charts and you can have them easily pull out someone that maybe has a bridge or a root canal or something that needs to be done. Um, so I think you, you can lose a lot of production uh, and treatment planning by not keeping the charts readily accessible for a while. But going digital uh, requires a lot of work and a lot of effort. And sometimes you're so focused on going digital that you forget the patient interaction. And I think that's key to keeping patients. What ties them to you? It's got to be a relationship with you and, and with your staff. And if you lose that, why shouldn't they just go somewhere else? No, good point. So, I, I, excellent advice. Don't let the technology get in the way of the relationship. Yeah, that's a better succinct way of saying that. No, no, but I love it. You, you expanded the concept very, very well. I think that's fantastic advice. Um, 
Excellent. Well, I think our time's uh, pretty much up. Uh, Dr. Vargo, any, any last thoughts, any advice that you would pass on to, again, to colleagues who might be considering a transition? Uh, I would say it's definitely important to have a uh, practice uh, broker. I think uh, my relationship with, with you, Randon, uh, made my life so much easier, especially going through eight months of COVID to sell the practice. Uh, the reassurance and the direction and the advice and having someone who can, who can help discern uh, things uh, made all the difference in the world. And it was such an easy transition in that regard. Uh, very, very smooth. And, uh, and you became a good friend. And I was very thankful. And I would absolutely recommend that uh, doctors not try and do it by themselves and that in my opinion, that they contact CTC. I mean, I know you aren't looking for a plug, but you guys were great. Oh, I really appreciate that, Dr. Vargo. That means a lot to me. And, and the, the feelings are very, very mutual. Yes, a good friend and a, a, a great privilege and honor for me to work with you. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, good. Well, thank you uh, for joining us and for listening. Thank you, Dr. Vargo, for being with us, for sharing your thoughts. Um, and uh, until the next time, this has been the Long in the Tooth podcast.